Welcome to the weekly podcast, Stand Strong. I'm Paul White. And I'm Noah Dieselkamp. Together, we look to God's Word to find energy and encouragement to fuel our faith. When our trust in Jesus is firm, we'll be amazed what God can do and accomplish in our lives. So let's turn to the wisdom in God's Word, a true and trusted source that is going to help us stand strong. Let's dig in. Well, good morning, Paul. Welcome back to the podcast. We're here in season three of Stand Strong. And what we are planning on doing today is a little bit of a departure. We've been doing this present day praying series within our season three. And um, we're going to take a little bit of a break from that before we resume it next week. And and today we're going to be doing just some, some quick question and answer type idea, Um, questions that you and I have heard regarding prayer, um, thoughts around prayer that people sometimes have, and just kind of real quick, rapid fire, we're going to talk about some of those things and ask some of those questions and hopefully get some real brief, helpful answers for those today. Yes, well, I'm looking forward to it. As you said, a lot of questions that people have. We had to kind of pick and choose as we were going through this, but we're just going to pepper each other with questions. Probably, if you're listening today, thank you for listening. You're probably not going to hear everything that you've heard before on some of these questions or even everything that you're expecting or wanting to hear on these questions. So if there's a particular question and you still have questions inside that question or you didn't hear everything that you were wanting to hear, reach out to Noah or I anytime and we'll talk about these perhaps at another time. But let's just do it, Noah. Rapid fire, going to pepper you with the questions as we start out. Here's one of them. Is it okay to read prayers? Is it okay to have liturgical prayers? Is it okay to read prayers? Yeah, that's a, that's a question that I, I have heard a lot, especially, you know, five, 10 years ago. Um, people would talk about that when I was in college. And I think that there's a tendency to want to pray spontaneously or or you might say extemporaneously, something along those lines. And th- there's kind of this feeling of if you don't do that, then it's not authentic. It's not true to you, to what you need to be praying. And that connects to the idea of, of a liturgy. And obviously in this kind of a format, we don't have time to get into all the details of that. But a liturgy is really just a habit or a formula by which you conduct worship or prayer, mm-hmm. right? And, and there's nothing wrong with having a habit or a formula. For anyone that has kind of a, a, a sour taste in their mouth from the idea of a liturgy, I would point to the hymnals that we use and say, <laughs> I, I'm, this, is, this is essentially the liturgy that we have. These are non-inspired words that we repeat. Most of them are prayers. We just repeat them in song form. Right. And, and that's a good thing. I would say that's a beneficial thing as long as it doesn't take precedence over God's word. And that is generally what I would say about the idea of liturgy. But as far as the, the just the basic idea of reading prayers, I mean, we just have to look to Scripture on that. And, and the fact is, the Psalter exists for a reason. Right. You know, those Psalms that we read, those were not spontaneous. Not normally, at least. Those were written. Those are artistically crafted together. You know, when you read Psalm 23, there is a huge amount of emotion in that. But that wasn't just, I'm going to write across the paper. There was there was an art. There was a craft to that. And, and I certainly believe that part of the reason that God preserves the Psalms for us is so that we can go back and pray those prayers again 
in our lives. So that would be my my somewhat short answer to that question. Is it okay to read prayers? I think Scripture definitely definitely sets a precedent for that, encourages that. And so I think absolutely, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, that, we would no more say that somebody's heart can't be in the reading of a prayer any more than we would say somebody's heart can't be in the singing of a psalm, hymn, or spiritual song if you're looking at a book and right. reading. So good question. All right, here's another one. What does it mean to pray? What does it mean to pray, quote, in Jesus' name? To pray in Jesus' name. There's questions inside that question, but just here's the <laughs> rapid fire. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Okay, um, so that is something that we say a lot. Uh, usually you'll hear it at the end of a prayer. You know, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, I see it as kind of two sides of a coin, right? There's it, there's a privilege there and there's a challenge there. Uh, the challenge is if we're going to say that we're praying in Jesus' name, then the contents of our prayer to the best of our ability should line up with his will, his character, his word. We should be doing our best to pray in line with the will of God. And so there's kind of a challenge. John chapter 14, uh, Jesus says in verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And we can make all sorts of qualifications around that promise, but in general, that should be a challenge to us, right? If we're going to pray in Jesus' name, we need to make sure that it's in line with His will, if we're going to ask these things of Him. But on the other hand, it's it's also a privilege. Uh, we can go to Hebrews chapter 4, where Jesus is described as our high priest. Um, he's interceding for us, and that's what gives us the confidence to draw near to God is because Jesus, it's it's not by our power that we're speaking to God, but rather through our perfect high priest, we can have confidence. And and what a privilege that is. So that's that would be my short answer for what it means that we we pray in Jesus' name. I like that. I like that. Sometimes people don't realize when we talk about the in Jesus' name kind of concept in praying, what what do we mean by that? What's involved in all of that. Usually the question comes out of that, do you have to end your prayers in Jesus' name? And that's a different question. Right. And we'll save that for another time. All right. But we are just peppering each other with questions. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a question for you, Paul. So um, we sometimes hear about in scripture, people falling on their faces or on their knees, and we see these different postures of prayer. And sometimes I hear the question, how should I feel about the prayer postures, kneeling, falling on one's face, that kind of thing. How should I be feeling about that? What should I be doing about that? Well, you know, the relevancy of it. I mean, it's very biblical, both Old and New Testament alike. You find examples, you find passages that speak about various postures in regards to worship before God, specifically in our praying before God. You've got kneeling, uh, you've got bowing, you've got lying, lying prostrate before God, you've got uplifted hands. All of those are indications of someone's heart someone's perception of God, how they view God in relationship to who they are, who God is, the object of our worship and our desire. And so if you're talking about in the area of praying, uh, Jesus in the garden in Matthew 26 fell on his face and prayed. Well, it was a time of deep emotion, great agony. Yeah. So when he's when he's lying prostrate before God, it's it's an indication of of what was on his heart, where he was in his life in regards to the one he was speaking to, his heavenly Father. Joshua and Joshua seven and verse six fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, 
time of great crisis, and they were speaking to God. Uh, Joshua was petitioning God in prayer uh, and and asking God for help. Uh, diff- different times, and again, if you're talking about kneeling, that, that ought to be the indication of someone that's expressing dependency on God, kneeling before God, acknowledging that they're surrendering themselves before God. If I'm bowing, uh, that's typically in prayer bowing, the, the head's bowed or the eyes closed. Hopefully that's an indication of honor and humility and reverence and respect. Uh, but but you can have the uplifting of hands, mm-hmm. uh, the emotion of the heart, uh, the willingness to to praise God and, and to demonstrate before God, look, look my my hands are clean uh, before you. That is, my heart's pure. Right. Uh, I'm trying to bring a sinless life before you because of who you are. So, you know, the questions that come out of that is, is it binding today? Do I have to? Is it okay to? Well, right. first of all, no, you don't have to. But is it okay? Absolutely. Yeah. So when someone's doing that from pure motive, don't do anything just to try to be different. Right. Don't do anything just to be the trendsetter and get everybody else. I can and you can't tell me not to check motives, but it's very biblical. It's very appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm hearing is it needs to flow. These actions need to flow from the heart, from a pure heart, from a heart that's humbling itself before God, not, for instance, just to make a point um, or just to do it because... I want to, or because I can, it's, it's a reflection of what's going on inside. Yeah. Anything we do before God, who is the object of our worship, and yet we make it about ourselves instantly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm hitting you. Here you go. Uh, what do I do if I don't know what to say? So in praying, what do I do when I don't know what to say? That's, that's a great question. I have been there. There, there have been times in my life, uh, and I'll admit it's usually at the lowest points, right? Look, deepest pits of guilt and shame or, or the deepest lo- valleys of life where you're trying to make a decision and it seems like there's no right decision, right? And you just, you don't even know where to start. I've been there. And I always, I always get pulled back to Romans 8. And, and I think that's the passage that we typically think of in this discussion. Romans 8, verse 23, Paul writes, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we await eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with it, wait for it with patience. So that's the context. It's it's dealing with this life of suffering. And and Paul's comments here, they they encompass the whole breadth of the difficulty that comes with just living, uh-huh. everything he's talking about there, living in a broken world. But then when we get to verse 26, he says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So Paul's comfort in the wake of all of this and in, in thinking about all of this is he says, he, he reminds us that the Spirit helps us by interceding for us. And so my my answer to that question, what do I do when I don't know what to say, is, is pray anyway. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be with anybody else. Go into that, that prayer closet or wherever your place is and just spill your heart out before God. And it can be absolute. If you were to look back on it or record it, it could be absolute gobbledygook in the sense that like, 
your sentences don't make sense and they don't connect and you can't express it, just go pray. Just go do it. God knows your heart. The Spirit hears your words and He's interceding. Yeah. You know, there's there's not, well, a little bit here. When God said to His people when they were in the Egyptian bondage and needed to be left, let out and needed to be delivered. And God did do that. He delivered them. But he says, I've seen your tears. I've heard your cries. Yeah. God sees. He's aware of all things. So what do you do when you don't know what to say? Pray anyway. And, and that's the comfort that you gave us from Romans 8. That's the blessing that we have uh, because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Again, don't understand everything about how the Holy Spirit works in that. Right. But, but God knows. And just what do you do? Pray anyway. Yep. Yeah, and we can trust that he's doing his work. I like that. I like that. What a blessing. Well, I've got a question for you here. Um, how do I know when to keep praying versus when to stop praying? And I think this connects with that last question, right? What do we do when we don't know what to what to pray or what to say? In the same vein, what when do I decide, okay, I've prayed about this enough? I don't know. I want... <laughs> So I set you up. I wanted one question here where someone could say legitimately, I don't know. There is a little bit of the I don't know in this. I'll just be honest. I don't know. I've had that question answered. I don't think there's a simple answer to that question. There's a one size fit all for that. I get the concern people have. Look, we've talked about this in, in, in some of our conversations about prayer, the persistence, the, the importunate praying, the not losing heart. Clearly, Jesus taught parables about that. Jesus is telling us something about prayer, but he's really telling us something about the faith that we need to have because of the relationship. Yeah. So I'm speaking to a God who's all powerful, who's all knowing. Look, <clears throat> to him who believes all things are possible. But there's a lot wrapped up in that language. So yeah. the balance between being persistent and not losing heart and keep on asking to a point, okay, I've been asking for this like for a month, for a year, for 10 years. So at what point do I say faith is now at the point I accept your will? I mean, usually the example that people give is, you know, Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 is thorn in the flesh three times. Right. We're not told how long. I mean, was this three times in a week? Was this three times? I don't know. Right. But there was persistence in that. But eventually God gave his answer clearly in 2 Corinthians 12, and Paul accepted that answer, which was his faith. So people want to want to know, all right, just tell me, when do I need to say, okay, Lord, I clearly see that this is your answer. I'm okay with it. This is inside of your will. Your answer was no, or your answer was not what I've been asking for or something else. I don't have a good answer to that question. But what I would say to them is err on the side of keep on asking. Yeah. Uh, because I can get to a point, I can only talk about me. I can get to a point where I, I convince myself that this is God's answer, which maybe I may have been prejudiced or was looking for this or just didn't want to keep asking. I felt like I'm burdening. It's a burden to God to hear it from me every day. Right. Well, no, no, no. Right. Again, check your motives. But uh, clearly, Jesus taught there we are to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Yeah, Je Jesus' teaching on that is so is so poignant that, you know, God cares for you. He is listening. The, the parables that he tells that, that makes that point, I, I think that really needs to— be something that we keep in our minds in those kinds of situations. And the other part of that, that, that struck me while you were talking about that is our heart in the matter. Uh, you know, if we're predisposed to think, well, God's not going to answer this and th that kind of thing, we're likely to have a bad attitude regardless of what God's answer is. 
And it makes me think of um, Hannah in the Old Testament, the, the mother of Samuel. She prayed for a child and she committed that child to the Lord. God answered her prayer and she had a, I mean, I don't know that I'd have a good attitude about committing my child to the Lord in the way that she did. But she she committed her heart ahead of time to accept God's answer, whatever it was. And I think that that's a, a pretty powerful example for that kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw one more at you. Um, All right. I'm scared. I'll pray something I shouldn't. That, 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 that's kind of like people, what people are concerned about is, what. look, I'm, I, I want to be very cautious. I want to be very careful. I'm sensitive to this concept of prayer, especially God being the object, the one that we're speaking to, and we want to pray inside of His will. We want to pray with all the in faith, right, modus, but, you know, that, that's kind of intimidating to think about all that. So I'm, I'm kind of concerned that I'll pray something I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that really does take us back to that John 14 passage where, you know, Jesus says, if you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. And I think sometimes there's almost a, a superstitious attitude about that um, of like, oh, no, what if I pray the wrong thing? God's not going to get backed into a corner, okay? <laughs> like we're not going to we're not going to get Jesus to do something that goes against his character or his nature or his will. That's not that's not the point of what Jesus is saying there in that passage. But yeah, it is intimidating still even if we take out the more um supernatural not not supernatural, superstitious uh kind of fear about it just from the standpoint of this is intimidating. I know that I'm I need to be speaking to to God's character and, and inside of his will and that kind of thing. And again, God preserved the Psalter. And it's such a powerful, powerful example. We see so many Psalms that start off going things like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But we, we always see those Psalms turn the corner and come back to a, a place of faith and trust in God. And really, I think what that what that comes down to is the the heart of the prayer. I think we need to be less concerned about the consequences of quote unquote praying the wrong thing. And we need to be more concerned with our heart and our attitude going into the prayer. It's always appropriate to pray for God, to work on our hearts, to give us wisdom, to light our path. So maybe if we're having trouble, if we're thinking, I don't know if I should be praying this. I don't know if this is I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is in God's will. Well, maybe let's just start the prayer with God, work on my heart, light the path, give me wisdom, James 1. Um, we need to just make sure that we're approaching God in humility. And, and honestly, if we approach God with humility, desiring his will to be done, I don't really think we need to worry about, quote unquote, praying the wrong thing. No. You know, if, if we go back to in discussions about prayer, look at the relationship, the relationship. So a child to his heavenly father, if you compare that to the relationship of a child with his earthly father, my kids came to me when they were five, six, seven, and eight, talking to me about things, asking for things, making requests of me that were on the level of a five, six, seven, and eight-year-old. Right. Then they would come at the age of 15, 16, 17, and 18 Obviously, completely different. Why? Because growth had taken place. Yeah. And I would offer that to people in a positive way. You kind of dealt with that. Look, <clears throat> you're, you're gonna you're gonna take an approach to prayer. You're gonna 
take things into your asking, the request side of praying at times. And then five years later, a year later, you're like, oh, I can't. That's well, because your relationship is growing. Your, your, your understanding of God is deepening. Your understanding about prayer is different. So it's much more than just the give me prayers and the asking of things. Like, you know, I can think of the 10-year-old that stresses over a test at school, yeah. praying to God, help me not fail the test. I'm not saying God's not concerned about those things, but that's different than the 15 or 16-year-old God, help me to honor you today by doing the right thing because I'm around people that are trying to tempt me to do wrong. I mean, you can right. see. it's So as you grow the relationship, this concerns about I'm, I'm, I'm scared I'll pray something I shouldn't, uh, that's just a part of growing. Right. Uh, we've all been there. We'll, we'll continue to be there. Right. Yeah. I well, think that's great. I appreciate this time. There are other questions. We just kind of wanted to do this a little bit kind of as a breather or a break, but we're still inside this journey on prayer. We're going to go, Lord willing, next week, uh, Noah, back into this discussion. You know, we, we talked about the LGBTQ uh, community and some concerns about that in relationship to prayers and how we should pray and how prayer should influence us inside of that deception and darkness uh, that we're, that's in this world. Lord willing, next week, we want to talk about abortion. Now, we're not going to deal with the side of abortion from the standpoint of biblically right or wrong. What do the scriptures have to say or what do they not say concerning the subject of right or wrong in regards to abortion? We hope, we believe that we're speaking to people who are on the side of uh, taking innocent life, taking the life of an unborn child uh, fetus is wrong. Yeah. But we want to look at the concept of what do God's people do? We live in that world of darkness and deception. What do we need to be doing in regards to our praying that connects itself to this world that we live in? So many people are having abortions or thinking about it. And so how do we fight in regards to that in our praying? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to that. That's uh, it, It's not a pleasant topic by any means, but it is so important that we think about it and that we pray about it in a way that uh, that glorifies God and, and opens up opportunities and doors for us to, to do good in that as well. So praise God for that opportunity. Well, let's, uh, let's end today with prayer. Noah, would you, would, you, would you lead us in that? Yeah, absolutely. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you and um, we're especially cognizant of the fact that we're able to do this because your son made a sacrifice and became the perfect high priest that intercedes for us. And we're so thankful that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and the way that we can come to you confident that you hear us, and we know that you want to help us, that you want to strengthen us, and that you want what is best for us. And we trust your judgment in that. We're thankful for this kind of a discussion that we can go to Scripture and we can learn more about what it means to pray, what it looks like to, to be your children and to talk to you as our Father. And we pray that as we continue to grow, our understanding of you and our relationship with you will only grow deeper and, and that our, our love for you and our reliance on you will only grow stronger. We're so thankful for you. We're thankful for your Son. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you to everyone today who has joined us in this discussion. Uh, we're just grateful that we have the opportunity, the blessing to be the people of God in Christ Jesus, who are able to support one another in our journey from earth to heaven, just trying to stand strong.
Thanks for joining us in God's Word today. We hope you'll continue to join us each week as we consider how to deepen our faith in God. Here's some good news today and even this week. With God as our foundation, we know that we can stand strong. 